Welcome to Basic Prayer. The teaching series within this podcast is a part of the Basic Discipleship Program. In Luke 11:1, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Our hope is that this material will equip you with basic Bible truth so that you can have a strong and effective prayer life. Now, let's join today's lesson. Hey, welcome to this session of Basic Prayer. And today we're going to talk about intercessory prayer, a specific type of prayer uh, that is regularly mentioned in Scripture, a type of prayer that the Lord wants us to incorporate in our lives. In this series on basic prayer, we're talking about a lot of information related to prayer. Uh, Be careful You can learn a lot about prayer, but if you never tap into intercessory prayer, you won't experience the power and the presence of God uh, that is available through a full-orbed prayer life. It's important for believers to pray different types of prayers, and intercessory prayer is one of those types of prayer. Oswald Chambers has said concerning this type of prayer, without intercession... Someone will be impoverished. Without intercession, someone will be impoverished. And I believe that's true. I believe if you don't engage in this thing called intercessory prayer, there will be victims out there, victims in your family, victims within your circle of influence who are impoverished because you haven't prayed for them. But I believe you can also think about yourself. If you don't engage in intercessory prayer, you will also be impoverished. You will miss out on the spiritual benefit that comes your way when you get your eyes off of yourself and you get your eyes on others in intercessory prayer. Now, unfortunately, many people never, again, many people never engage in this important type of prayer. Busyness is often an excuse. Ignorance is another excuse. I don't know what to pray. When many Christians pray, they often simply have a a litany or list of self-focused requests, and they never pause to mention the needs of others. Now, I think it's important to highlight that there's nothing wrong with praying For yourself, but there is something wrong if you never pray for others. We've got to engage in intercessory prayer. This word intercede comes from a Latin word which speaks of a person coming between two other people. It's a compound word in the Latin that means to go between or to come between. And what a great description for what happens in intercessory prayer. In this type of prayer, we stand in between God and another person on behalf of that person in prayer. So so I ask you, do do you engage in this type of prayer? Do you have a strategy, a habit for intercessory prayer? Could it be that this is something that's aspired for? but you don't actually do. I've been there before. I knew for years that I should pray for others, but I just plain and simple didn't do it. 
For me, uh, intercessory prayer was an aspired type of thing. I knew I should pray for others, but it wasn't an actualized type of thing. And I'll admit to you that intercessory prayer is still one of the most difficult aspects of prayer for me. I'm real good about praying for myself. I'm real good about many times praying to God and giving Him praise, but oftentimes put intercessory prayer at the bottom of the list. And I want to be better at this type of prayer. And I know you do too. How can we be better at intercessory prayer? I want to speak in this session on six biblical concepts related to intercessory prayer. So I'm going to speak with an outline here. And I believe by looking at these six biblical concepts, our minds will be informed and our hearts will hopefully be changed to to have a greater desire for intercessory prayer. So follow along with me. Six important scriptural ideas. Number one, I want us to consider the precedent of intercession. The precedent of intercession. Now, by that word precedent, we're speaking of an action in the past that sets a norm for the present. And in Scripture, we see that a precedent has been set for us in regard to intercessory prayer. There's been a great action in the past that determines how we should live in the present. This word precedent is often used in in the legal world. When judges make a decision, they often look back at decisions that were made in the past to to, to determine what decisions should be made in the present. And we can look to the past and we see that we have a great precedent, a great example for intercessory prayer in the person of Jesus. Now, we're called to follow the example of Jesus, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. The Bible there tells us to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As we live the Christian life, we're always to be looking to him as an example. And when we do gaze upon the life of Jesus in Scripture, we learn that he regularly prayed for other individuals. In fact, his ministry could be viewed as one giant act of intercession. Jesus came to earth as a go-between to stand between God and us. Scripture says in Hebrews 7.25 that he now always lives to intercede for his people. Jesus was an intercessor. Jesus is an intercessor. Do you call yourself a Christian? Do you bear his name? Get this. At the heart of Jesus is a heart for intercession. The Lord wants you to learn to intercede as well. Oh, may this move our souls to see that intercession should be a basic part of our Christian experience. If you want to see an example of Jesus' intercession on our behalf, read John 17, 20 through 23, and you'll get to read some of the very words he prayed for you. Six important ideas related to Scripture. First of all, we see the precedent of intercession. Number two, I want you to consider the priority of intercession. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, a verse we've already looked at in this study, Paul said, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Notice Paul mentions intercession in doing so 
in writing to a first century church, he said, I urge. That's a strong word. Have you ever urged or begged someone to do something? Paul is using a word that expresses a vehement desire on his part. He has a sense of urgency here, and he wants Christian churches to commit to this act of intercession. And Paul's request here reminds us that we as Christians have a New Testament responsibility to pray on behalf of others. The Lord knows that there is great need for Christians and Christian churches and Christian families to pray on behalf of others. Through engaging in such type of prayer, the Lord knows we often kill this soul sickness of self-centeredness within our souls. The Lord knows through intercessory prayer that we lead our hearts to have concern and love for others. And the Lord knows that through intercessory prayers, he often uses our prayers to bless and build up others. Get this, according to the Bible, intercessory prayer should be a priority in our lives. But third, I want us to see what I would call the person of intercession. The person of intercession. When we commit to pray for others, the Bible teaches that unseen forces work behind the scenes of humanity to accomplish the Lord's sovereign purposes. Remember this idea of intercession, it's a go-between. It involves more than one person. It involves the person you're praying for. It involves you. But intercessory prayer also involves the Lord. When you make requests to the Lord on behalf of another, you, you, can, you can bet on it. The Lord hears your prayer and he commits to act on behalf of your prayer. There are three persons involved with this act of intercession. And we know according to scripture that the Lord hears us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit takes our prayers to the Heavenly Father. See, there's three people in one sense involved in intercessory prayer from a human perspective, you, the person you're praying for, and God. But from the divine side of intercessory prayer, there's, a third, there's three people involved as well, all three people of the Trinity. And I believe when we grasp these heavenly realities, when we understand this theology that the Godhead is involved in our intercessory prayer, It'll instill us with a sense of awestruck reverence and we'll be more likely to make a list of people we're praying for and we'll be more likely to engage in intercessory prayer. Romans 8, 26 through 27 speaks of this reality. It speaks of the way in which the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. I think also of Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. It's always been a verse that just strikes me with wonder. Romans chapter 5, 8 speaks of how in the presence of God, even now, there are what the Bible calls 24 elders. I believe that's a representation of believers from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. They fall down before the Lamb 
And each one had a harp and golden bowls, John tells us, filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And what does that mean? I believe there's a lot of figurative language there we can't understand, but we can understand this. Somehow, beyond our comprehension, when we pray, and when we engage in intercessory types of prayers, the Lord hears those prayers in heaven. Those prayers ascend into the presence of God and fill the area around God. God hears our prayers. So you may not feel like your intercessory prayer is effective. You may feel as if the heavens are brass when you pray, that you're getting no return, that there's not a direct line to heaven. I want to encourage you to have faith. Know this, according to the Bible, God hears your prayers. So make sure you engage in intercessory prayer and have childlike faith, trust, and confidence that God hears. Set aside time to pray for others. Make lists and get serious about intercessory prayer. There's a person who's helping when you pray. I want you to see also what I would call the power of intercessory prayer. We have scriptural examples of how powerful intercessory prayers are. I could give you many, but I would just have you to consider one. Think about that time where Peter was imprisoned in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 12. Herod had thrown him into a local jail. The Bible teaches that there, was, uh, there were miraculous circumstances that secured Peter's release. The very angel of the Lord, Acts chapter 12, verse 7, we believe that's Jesus Christ, showed up and released Peter from that jail. Uh, Peter went to the house in which the disciples were meeting and wanted to reunite with them. And there's kind of a, a comedic scene uh, where the individual who answers the door doesn't realize it's Peter, thinks it's maybe his ghost. Then the Bible teaches that Peter was reunited with the disciples and it highlights in Acts chapter 12, verse number 12, that there were many who had assembled at this house and were praying. What were they praying for? Well, undoubtedly, they were praying for Peter. Jesus had said in Matthew's gospel that he would be the rock of the church. And here he's been in prison and the church knows we need to pray. We need to be a go-between. We need to intercede for this leader in the church. We need him for the upbuilding and edification of this new movement. They engaged in intercessory prayer and intercessory prayer worked. Get this, there is power according to the Bible and praying for others. Now God's word doesn't guarantee that intercessory prayer will give wealth and health always. But the principle remains, God brings blessing when we pray for others. God brings blessing in the lives of others and he brings blessings in our lives as well. When we embrace humility and self-denial and consider others before ourselves in prayer, something happens within us 
And then God uses our prayers to do something within the lives of others and something within our circumstances. Oh, let's have faith and let's be done with prayerless lives. Let's pray for missionaries. Let's pray for ministers. Let's pray for our loved ones. Let's pray for the sick. Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for our community, knowing that there is power in intercessory prayer. I want you to see number five, what I would call a pattern for intercession. One of the biggest excuses for not praying is simply, hey, I don't know what to pray. How do I pray? What do I say? I'm reminded of uh, a time when I was younger. I went on a date with a girl and I discovered during this date that she had a little card with different topics written on this card. I later learned that she was nervous about having a conversation on this date. And so she had written various topics that could guide our conversation. Now, looking back on that, I kind of have pity for that poor girl. Wow, that's uh, sad. She was that nervous about having a date with me. I'm nothing special. But we've all been in circumstances where we don't know what to say. I, I remember on a couple of occasions, I got to meet people who were kind of important or kind of a big deal. And I was nervous, maybe even stammered and stuttered as I talked to them and thought, what do I say? What do they think about what I'm saying? Am I saying the right thing? I was nervous about what to say. The reality is that's just kind of our nature sometimes. We're insecure. We have some shame. Kind of self-preoccupied. Now, the same can happen when it comes to prayer. We can be nervous about approaching God. He's awesome. He's holy. He made the sun, moon, stars. What do we say to him? We may not know what to say, and that keeps us from praying. Here's a benefit we have. We know from Scripture what we should say. Jesus taught us what to say in Matthew 6, didn't he? On top of that, we have in the New Testament examples of intercessory prayer. I gave one to you earlier with John chapter 17. There's others. There's other, what I would call just prayer guides. I, I would encourage you to do this. Find, passage like, find passages like that and rip them off. Use them. Pray them verbatim back to the Lord. I think of, again, John 17, 15 through 23. You could take that very prayer that Jesus prayed for us and pray that for a wayward child. I think of Philippians 1, 9 through 11. It's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. Take that very prayer. I don't know what to pray, Patrick. Take that very prayer and pray it for your children, for a co-worker who needs to come to Christ. Think of another, Colossians 1, 9 through 11. It's similar to that same prayer that Paul prayed in Philippians. You could take that very prayer in Colossians 1 through 9 through 11 and pray it for your pastor. Pray it for the ministers at your church. Pray it for folks in your small group, life group, or Sunday school class. Pray it for your church at large. I, I'll be honest, sometimes I go, I don't know what to pray for my church. I'm a pastor. Even then, I don't know what to pray. Lord, what should I pray for my church? And I'll go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17 and following. Paul prayed for the Ephesians. I'll just say, Lord, I don't know what to pray for my church, but I pray 
that the God of our our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give my church the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened so that they would know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of His strength. I could go over to Ephesians chapter 3 and read another prayer that Paul had for the Ephesians. I could pray it to the Lord. I could pray like this. Lord, I pray. I don't know what to pray for my church, but I pray that you would grant them according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened in power and their inner being through your spirit. And I pray that Christ would dwell in their hearts through, through faith. I pray that they, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And I pray that they would know Christ's love that would surpass knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. And you say, I don't know what to pray. Just pick some scripture passages like that and then make a list of people you want to pray for each day. And pray scripture back to the Lord. Do you ever feel like your prayers are short and stale? I guarantee you, I didn't come up with what I just prayed. I took it for scripture. And those were not short and stale prayers. There was some length. And there was some richness in those prayers. And you can have faith that when you pray scripture, God will hear and God will answer. Because scripture is his express will. So you know when you pray scripture, you're praying in alignment with God's will. So we see a pattern for intercession. Lastly, I just want to leave you with this quickly. We see what I would call a promise for intercession. When we pray according to God's will and we intercede, we know those are two things God wants us to do. He wants us to intercede. He wants us to pray according to his will. We know according to scripture, he hears us. So, man, we've got it all buttoned up. We've got a promise. God will hear and God will answer. Consider 1 John 5, 14. There, Scripture says, Now this is a confidence we have before Him. Whenever we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So I'll leave you with that promise. Don't get discouraged in your attempts to pray for others. Keep praying Scripture over the lives you love. God will hear and God promises to answer. He will honor his word and he will work according to his will. You got to have faith. You got to trust and believe. Then you've got to make this a priority. And, And I can give personal testimony. I know what it's like to put a missionary in their dire need on my prayer list and bombard heaven's gates with prayers on that person, on that person's behalf. And I know what it's like to get the email. Wow, it's a miracle. The Lord's showed up and met our needs. I know what it's like to pray for a wayward family member or a friend regularly and consistently and then see them seemingly turn the spiritual corner and commit afresh to the Lord. Now, that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. The Lord promises to hear and to honor our intercessory prayer. So keep on praying. Don't give up. Be 
a go-between for the glory of King Jesus. Thank you for joining us today for our lesson on basic prayer. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast or visit us online at basicdiscipleship.com. If you have any questions about the material presented in this lesson, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.com. Thanks for listening.